Welcome to the AWS Tech Chat Podcast. We are solution architects, and we help customers adopt the AWS Cloud Platform. In each episode, we dive deep, demystify technology, and talk about the latest and most interesting technical developments in the world of AWS Cloud. We bring you the AWS Roundup and deep tech dives in topics of interest. Hello, everybody. My name is Shai Perenik, and this is episode 90 of the AWS Tech Chat podcast. And for today's show, I'm joined by my co-hosts Anton and Arnim to dig into confidential computing. This is a particular area of passion for me because of its place in blockchain networks. I'm really excited, guys. Let's get started. Welcome you both to the show, and please introduce yourself. Anton, why don't you go first? Hello, everyone. My name is Anton Greedin, and I'm solution architect supporting global industrial customers. I'm really excited to be here today with Shai and Arundam. For the last three and a half years at AWS, I have been helping enterprise customers in their cloud journey. And coming from developer's background, it's exciting to see how containers and new security services are being used by customers in building modern advanced enterprise architectures. And I'm super happy to talk about it more today. Hi, everyone. I am Arindam Chatterjee, Senior Solution Architect for a small and medium-sized business segment in US. I am really excited to be here with Shai and Anton. I have been at AWS for three years now, working with different customers across USA and in their modernization journey. We at AWS make it our highest priority to keep our customers' workload secure and confidential. And I am super excited to be here and talking about confidential computing today. This topic, we want to get the word out as much as we can. Very excited to be here to discuss it further. All right, great, great intros. Thank you both. I'm really excited to get the show going, both of you. Listeners, in this episode, we're going to dig into confidential compute and data privacy, as well as how to accelerate your journey with AWS services. You'll gain some insights into how partner solutions are built in this space. Anton, why don't we get started with you? Let's start this conversation for listeners with what exactly is confidential computing? Sure. Uh, confidential computing is a term that could mean different things to different people, depending on who you talk to. We at AWS make it our highest priority to keep our customers' workloads secure and confidential while helping them to meet their privacy and data sovereignty requirements. Our security technologies and rigorous operational practices meet and exceeds even our most demanding customers' confidential computing and data privacy standards. Anton, let me jump in there. I know that we've made many long-term investments in purpose-built technologies and systems with the aim of continuing to raise the bar on security and confidential computing for our customers. Can you really quick explain me the, the, how we define confidential computing for specialized hardware? I want to get that clear for our listeners. This defines the confidential computing as use of specialized hardware and associated firmware to protect customer code and data during processing from the outside access. We break this down into two distinct security and privacy dimensions. Awesome. Thanks for that, Anton. I really appreciate it. I think it really helps to hear your perspective and our listeners really understand the way that you explain it. So we have a high-level description of what confidential computing is. I think that's a great place to start. But we need to dig deeper for our technical users. Let's share some use cases so our listeners have a good starting foot to start off with. Can we dig into maybe the first dimension? 
Sure thing. The first dimension, the dimension that we hear most often as being the primary concern for the customers is protection of customer code and data from the operator of the underlying cloud infrastructure. And the second dimension is ultimately capability for customers to separate their own workloads into more trusted and less trusted components, or that allows parties that do not trust each other to design systems that closely cooperate while maintaining the confidentiality of each party code and data. All right, so Arden, jump in here and help me under, help us understand what do we have to offer in each of those dimensions that Anton spoke about? Sure. The AWS Nitro system meets the requirement of both the dimensions that Anton talked about. Intrinsically, in the case of first dimension and electively in case of the second through AWS Nitro enclaves. Okay, hold on. So before we go further, let's explain Nitro. Arndon, please elaborate further for our listeners. And again, I apologize for interrupting. I just want to dig in here to Nitro specifically. Sure. The Nitro system is the underlying platform for modern Amazon EC2 instances. It is culmination of a 10-year process by AWS to reinvent the virtualization stack. Over the past decade, AWS has moved more and more virtualization functions away from general purpose hypervisor to a set of dedicated special purpose hardware and firmware. The Nitro system provides multiple categories of protection, which together support the two dimensions of confidential computing. All right. So my background is in infrastructure, right? This is a, an area of passion for mine. It's something that I really find very interesting because we're talking about computer virtualization. So what kind of protections are we talking about here? Anton, why don't you dig into this one? Sure. As Erinda was explaining, natural systems provide multiple categories of protection. The first category of protection is from cloud operator, which is us. With the Nitro system, we've made the deliberate design choice to have no operator access. Put simply, there is no mechanism for any system or person to log into the server that hosts the EC2 instance, read the memory of the EC2 instance, or access any data stored on instance storage or encrypted EBS volumes. AWS operator interaction with EC2 servers occurs through authenticated, authorized, and audited administrative APIs none of which have the ability to access customer data on the server. The second category of protection, similar to the first one, is protection from AWS system software. For virtualized EC2 instances, the Nitro hypervisor uses the underlying hardware virtualization systems to create virtual machines that are isolated not only from each other, but also from the hypervisors itself. In case of our bare metal EC2 instances, customers can take advantage of direct access to low-level hardware features while still enjoying the same EC2 capabilities, all without the need for the Nitro hypervisor. Together, these categories of protection supports the critical first dimension of a confidential computing, and they do so intrinsically by design. All right, great. So Anton, what you just described covers the primary concern for customers in the protection of customer code and data from the operator of the underlying cloud infrastructure. Arndam, can you talk about how Nature Enclave supports the second dimension of confidential compute, about customers allowing them to separate their own workloads into trusted and less trusted components, 
or one that allows parties that do not trust each other uh, to share in those design systems. These systems enable close cooperation while maintaining the confidentiality of each party's code and data. Yes, Nitro Enclave provide a means for customers to use the power of the Nitro system to separate sensitive element of customer code and data in a hardened, isolated computer environment. Nitro Enclaves inherit all the same protection from the cloud operators as a standard EC2 instance provide, additional tools that enable customers to protect the computing and the data elements running inside the enclave from their own operators and software. See, the basic idea is that an EC2 instance, what we call or refer to as parent instance, is able to launch and locally attach to a distinct isolated compute environment or enclave, which is running on the same EC2 host. That enclave does not run in its parent instance, it runs beside it. Therefore, the parent and the enclave share no memory, no CPU cores in common. All right, so that last part's really important there, right? That besides it, they don't share any of those core components in there. So remember that, listeners. Let's dig into networking real quick. So networking connectivity, when we have that on Nitro Enclaves, how does the parent instance communicate with the Enclave? Great question. So Nitro Enclaves do not have IP networking connectivity or persistent storage. And by default, there is no ability for any user or software, even those running with root privileges, to have interactive access to the enclave. Communication between the parent instance and the enclave is done via a secure local connection, which is called VSOC. Okay, so to summarize, Nitro Enclaves offers a flexible resource model so an enclave can support any application running across a wide range of resources that needs developer experiences familiar to building applications that runs in Nitro Enclave is as easy as writing code for any Linux system. Anton, can you tell us if anything beyond isolation, are there other special properties of Nitro Enclaves we should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. Nitro Enclaves also enabled with capabilities for cryptographic illustration. This lets systems outside the Nitro Enclave validate properties of the Enclave. For example, Customers can carefully design and audit an Enclave application and externally validate that the software has not been tampered with. This process for validating attestations is documented so that customers can build their own validation systems. And AWS Key Management Service, KMS, even supports attestation directly so that you can allow use of KMS key only by your trusted Enclave code. All right, let me jump in here real quick. Jim, can you please tell us what kinds of things we would use Enclaves for? Sure. You can use Enclave for pretty much any use case where you want to prevent users, applications, and libraries on the parent instance from accessing or viewing sensitive data. As we mentioned earlier, Enclave have no persistent storage, interactive access, or external networking. Users cannot SSH into an enclave and the data and application inside the enclave 
cannot be accessed by the process, application, or user, even if it is a root or admin user of the parent instance. Okay, so clarify something for me before we go on. Does that mean that Nitro Enclave has dependencies on processor types? Nitro Enclave is processor agnostic, and it is supported on most of the Intel, AMD, and AWS Graviton-based Amazon EC2 instance type built on the AWS Nitro system. Okay, uh, Anton, can you dig into the requirements of, uh, for Nitro Enclave? From parent instance requirements, as Arenda mentioned, you need a virtualized Nitro-based instance based on Intel AMD or Graviton. And you need at least four virtual CPUs for Intel or AMD-based instances, while you need at least two virtual CPUs for Graviton-based instances. Some instance types like A1 are not supported, but you can see the full list documented in the user guide. And the parent instances can be either Linux or Windows 2012 or two or later. All right, for listeners, don't worry about ReadyWells Down. We'll include lots of links in the show notes so you can follow on your own. All right, for you two, rapid fire question real quick. How many enclaves can we create per parent instance? You can create up to four individual enclave, enclaves per parent instance. And natural enclaves provision out of the resources for the parent instance, so there are no additional charges for using them. You build the standard charges for your EC2 instance and for other AWS services that you use. Okay, so let's talk about some of those use cases that customers are using or maybe that are considering using for Nitro Enclaves. One example can be tokenization, signing, or other processing of highly sensitive data like, say, credit card numbers or even healthcare record. In these scenarios, customers will send the encrypted data into Nitro Enclave and run the application that handles it inside the enclave. The parent EC2 instance will not be able to view or access the sensitive data throughout this process. Okay, start us off with a simple example here. All right, a lot of social media companies and publishers have access to data that is considered to be personally identifiable. They could know a little bit about you they could know a little bit about me. Now, there is definitely a lot of impetus and desire to maintain data privacy in that space, even as all of these enterprises aim to publish, say, personalized content to you or me. In that scenario, encrypted data could be brought inside a Nitro Enclave and then further tokenized inside the Enclave to ensure the identity of the individual is not revealed to anyone. These anonymous tokens can be then exported outside the Enclave and can be used to publish, say, personalized content, if you will. All right. That's a great well, example that resonates, I think, with a lot of our listeners and my, myself as well. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Right, let's summarize my understanding for our listeners. In this case, when you utilize capabilities like enclaves, you're really protecting your data. You're making sure that it's not about data protection, but it's also about privacy as well. That's the part I heard there. What you're doing with the data and how you're handling that data. So let's maybe share another use case. You got another one for us? Sure. Let's take the use case that I really like to talk about, which is about actually protecting the code and not necessarily only the data. 
So machine learning models, let's say you are a provider of a machine learning model, and that's really the secret sauce that you're looking to protect, but you want to license it out so you can monetize the model. You've already trained the model and I have a need to use the model and I have my own data set that I want to use. Now, what we both can potentially do is for you to drop your model inside an enclave and I could drop my encrypted sensitive data set inside the enclave and then we can use your model to draw inferences on my data that we both are benefiting from collaborating here but your code always remains protected because it's never visible to me and my data remains protected because it's not visible to you. So this is a collaborative use case where both code, in this case, the machine learning model that we talked about and the sensitive data set are being protected inside the enclave, but also where the data is securely processed to draw some inferences out of it. Okay, so what I'm hearing so far is that Nitro Enclaves can be embraced as a general purpose VM, but is it true to use it in use cases where there is a need to protect sensitive data or even code in an isolated environment? You technically can run the whole application in the enclave, and your understanding is generally correct. But if we put developers' heads on for a minute, the isolated nature of the Nitro Enclaves does not allow you typical developers tools like SSHing into machine or get logs out or connecting a debugger. So it is often beneficial to analyze and decompose an application to keep the highly sensitive component to the minimum to simplify overall development. But when you think about the operations that you are performing inside an enclave, it could range anywhere from, say, cryptographic operations like decrypting data or signature validation signing transactions to protecting your SSL certs or code or machine learning models. Okay, that's very interesting. I think we should elaborate a little more and maybe some of the different use cases, the cryptographic attestation. I'd like to just step in here before Anton goes into the use case. Let me explain what cryptographic attestation is. Attestation is a unique feature available to Nitro Enclaves. The Enclaves uses the attestation process to prove its identity and build trust with an external service. The attestation process uses a series of measurements that are unique to Enclave. You can use these measurements to create access policies in the external services to grant Enclave access to special cryptographic operation. The way it works is using the Nitro Enclave's SDK. An Enclave can request a signed attestation document from the Nitro hypervisor that includes its unique measurements. This document can be attached to request from the Enclave to an external service. The external service can validate the measurements included in the attestation document against the value in the access policy to determine whether to grant the enclave access to the requested operation. Yeah. And as a scenario, using cryptographic attestation capabilities for Nitro Enclaves is setting up multi-party computation where several parties can join and process highly sensitive data without having to disclose or share the actual data to each individual party. 
for example, let's take two retail companies that decide to collaborate and run some analytics or machine learning model on their joint sales data set. They're interested in outcomes of such exercise, but do not want to share the full sales data with each other or share the information about their customers. So they can agree on a code or model that will be running in the Nitro Enclave and that will be handling the data set. Make sure that the code is not tampered with using a cryptographic attestation and use Nitro Enclave to run the operation. Both datasets will be decrypted and handled only inside the enclave, and they can avoid sharing encryption keys or unencrypted dataset with each other. Same approach can be done within the same organization, for example, to establish separation of duties. All right, so that, that's wonderful. Let's pivot to another segment. Let's go to blockchain. There's many use cases in blockchain where something like Nitron Claves, it's confidential compute, is a great accelerant. Let's take blockchain bridging, for example, because that's one of the areas in my favorite parts of Web3 and blockchain. Sorry to interrupt, but why is that, uh, Shai? Can you elaborate on that, please? Yeah, no, sure. It's okay. Thank you. And, and I think it's an important point that I should call out here. So today in the future will be a world of multiple chains. There will not be 10, nor will there be 100 popular chains, but thousands because of these architectures that we're seeing today. Those are in development. Those are enablement of those distributed societies. So in blockchain bridging, data or assets are moved from one chain to another. We're seeing use cases of distributed networks created to specifically support distributed confidential compute. However, in many cases of bridges today, this process requires a bridging mechanism that occurs off-chain, meaning that transactions and data manipulation should happen in an isolated compute environment like Nitro Enclaves. This is necessary and really important to ensure that the data is secure and that the bridging process cannot be tampered with. We've seen this so many times over the last couple of years in this space. I think another use case where we should dig in even further into blockchain is around hot wallets. Anton, you want to take that one? Sure. With the hot wallets use case, we have not just changes in storage, but also transactional ownership and asset changes. This is another scenario where you can leverage Nitron Claves as you can securely execute transactions within an isolated compute environment. Another use case in the same realm would be threshold signature validation, where multiple key shards are brought in and validated, and the shards are put together to come to consensus. Each shard contains a portion of cryptographic keys necessary to authorize transactions. These keys are not sufficient on their own to authorize a transaction, but when they are combined with other shards in the network, they can be used to validate the transaction. This allows approval or denial of a specific transaction as each validator checks the transaction against a set of rules to ensure that it is valid. If the majority of validators agree that transaction is valid, then transaction is approved and added to the blockchain. No, I'd love to stay on this topic and continue for the rest of the day, given my passion for Web3 and blockchain. But let's move on because I know that even in this space too, technologies like containerization are really popular with builders in this space. It's a way to deploy and build their applications at scale. What are you both hearing from our customers if they are leveraging Nitro Enclaves in a container use case? Who wants to take that one? I can take that. Containers is very near and dear to my heart. So containers customers are excited to leverage Nitro Enclave to create isolated execution environments. 
from the Amazon EC2 instances that enables these customers to create those isolation to further protect and securely process the highly sensitive data within their EC2 instance. So what AWS has done to support this is that they have developed a Nitro Enclave device plugin that gives your Kubernetes pods and the containers the ability to access the Nitro Enclave device driver. The device plugin works with both Amazon Elastic Kubernetes service and in case you are running your self-managed Kubernetes nodes, you can still use that open source plugin. All the Kubernetes pods and containers in the same Amazon EKS node or Amazon EC2 instances that has Nitro Enclave Kubernetes device plugin installed will be able to communicate with the Enclave that is attached to that parent Amazon EC2 instance. And uh, please help our listeners understand any prerequisites that sh they should be aware of to use the Nitro Enclaves, specifically the device plugin. Sure. To utilize this device plugin, you will need essentially three things. A, you need a configured Kubernetes cluster. B, you need at least one Enclave-enabled node available in that Kubernetes cluster. And Enclave-enabled node in AWS is an EC2 instance with Enclave option parameters set to true. And C, a third one you need is for the plugin to be built out, you will need Docker. Okay, let's, let's talk more about how customers will access the Nitro Enclave if it's deployed in their EKS cluster. So all the Kubernetes pods and containers in the same EKS node or Amazon EC2 instance that has the Nitro Enclave Kubernetes device plugin installed will be ab able to communicate with the Enclave that is attached to the parent Amazon EC2 instance. Let's get into some calls to action here, right? Let's dig into what customers should do to learn more in this space. And listeners, you don't have to write these down again. We're going to include all of this detail in the show notes to help you follow along and to help you get started. Anton, how about you kick us off first? Where do you think that listeners should get started? Hard, hard question. We have mm -hmm. multiple resources like workshops, blogs, samples that will be helpful for a deep dive on the topic. All right, let's give our listeners two specific items to dig into because this space can certainly be a rabbit hole. So let's just start off with two. Sure. I would suggest <laughs> the next things. First of all, try the Enclaves workshop. We'll ultimately build it to help customers to quickly get familiar with the Nitro Enclaves. And my favorite part is cryptographic attestation. If you have just half an hour, give it a shot. This is, in my opinion, the best way to learn about how powerful this tool is. And the second one, check out blogs that are most relevant for you. We have blogs and examples that cover various topics and use cases like blockchain, Nitro Enclaves with Windows, etc. And check out the GitHub samples. They're also a great way to quickly get started. All right, so that's two two good ways to get started there, the workshop as well as the code samples and blogs. So let's close this out. I want to thank you both, Anton Arndam, for sharing all these resources with us and our listeners. Um, unfortunately, we're going to have to close the show and bring it to an end in and, and this discussion. We covered fundamentals around confidential computing, what it is, including two distinct security and privacy dimensions. We went into Nitro Systems providing 
the multiple categories of protections it offers and details there. And then we covered some use cases that are actively in the real world today that users are using Nitro Enclaves for. We also covered requirements for Nitro Enclave that customers need to be aware of for specific details. You can check out the documentation too. Finally, we covered the fact that Nitro Enclave is also applicable to actually protecting the code and not necessarily just the data. Listeners, if you want to dig deeper into a specific area of Nitro Enclave and the follow-up show, drop us a line. Please share any comments or suggestions for future episodes. We're going to share some useful links in the show notes around topics we discussed today. Arendam, Anton, it was a wonderful session, wonderful discussion. Thank you both for joining the show, all the work and details you put into this. Any final words before we leave and call this a wrap? Not really. Thank you, Shai. Thank you for having us and happy confidential computing. Signing off. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, and tune in again to learn about AWS Cloud. Please subscribe to the AWS Tech Chat by visiting awstechchat.com.